Very good. As you saw yesterday, we were able to have a uh, Thanksgiving serve day partnered with the Agape Family Life Center. So thank you for all of those who came out and served yesterday. It was a really, really incredible time. We served a little bit over 100 families. And uh, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for serving. But it was a really, really cool day. Uh, That's one of my favorite things to do each year, uh, just blessing families with food. And uh, so that's pretty incredible. Everybody doing okay today? Yeah. All right, colder weather coming in, bundled up. I got a sweater on, you know, uh, it's low country, right? Because we get bundled up once it gets past, say, what, like 50 degrees? We're like, ooh, what's happening out here, right? Uh, I got low country blood now. We got to be careful out here. But uh, we're in a series, the book of Daniel. We have been through the first six chapters, and the first six chapters, as you uh, have saw each week, that it follows these four Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, right? And we had Daniel in the lion's den. Now, the book is getting ready to take a turn. It's taking a different feel, so to speak. And I know you guys are probably like, oh, Daniel's probably scared to go into all the prophecy stuff, right? Well, we're going, right? Here we go. Um, And so we're in Daniel 7 and 8 today. Daniel 7 and 8. And uh, I just want to pray for us and ask God to speak to our hearts during this time. And I'll kind of set us up for where we're going and what this looks like. But I would like to give you two things real quick before we jump into Daniel 7 and 8. And the first one is, is to remember our theme of the entire book of Daniel. And the theme is God's sovereignty. And that's the message that we see that's woven all throughout the chapters of the book of Daniel. Also, we see that uh, Daniel wrote this book to encourage the people who were in Babylon, to encourage people who were in Babylon. And so because they were in this pagan city, this uh, village where everyone around them was not following God, that we're not following God or following his ways or his customs. He said, hey, I want you to remember this. Here are the things that God has given me in a vision. Here are the things that that have happened in the past. And so he's writing it to encourage them. And then we we see here as we dive into Daniel 7 and 8, he helps them to understand what's going to happen in his day. And in our time, we're going to see that uh, some things have happened and some things have not happened yet here. And so um, if you're in Daniel 7 and 8, uh, if you'll jump into those chapters, but what we're going to do is um, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 7, and then there's another dream in Daniel 8, uh, but it's a different vision, but they mean the same thing. So we'll jump over to 8, right? And then we're going to come back to Daniel 7 at the bottom uh, because that wraps the whole vision up together as Gabriel explains this to Daniel. So that's kind of what it's going to look like today, Daniel 7, and then we'll jump to Daniel 8 for a second. So if you have both of those chapters open, we're going to have the verses for you on the screen as well. And then we're going to just hop right back over to Daniel 7 and close us out. Okay, does that sound good? Everybody with me? Very good. So let's pray and ask God just to speak to our hearts during this time. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. God, I pray that as we open up your word and open up your truth, that it'll speak to our hearts, God. God, I know that sometimes as we dive into these themes in the Old Testament, it can seem confusing and uh, we don't really know how it relates to our lives, God. And I pray that you would bring revelation to our lives and our hearts today. God, I pray that I will decrease so that you may increase. I pray that you will speak to our hearts, God. I pray that you will reveal truth to us. I pray that we will uh, rearrange our lives to walk in obedience to you that we would pursue you in the life that you've called us to, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this holiday season that we're getting ready to go into and that we can have thankful hearts. And thank you for those who continue to serve 
each and every week. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I love movies. Uh, I do love to watch movies from time to time and uh, something about the storyline in movies as well. And uh, now it's funny to see over the past 10 years how things have shifted, right? We used to maybe go home and watch a full length movie, whereas now it's kind of shifted to shows, right? Where there's multiple seasons, uh, multiple episodes. And sometimes I'm like, you know, what? I just want to watch a movie because I want to see the beginning and the end, right? Like I just I want to see that instead of it dragging on for hours and hours on end. But I love it because when you watch a movie, you have multiple different elements, right? So when you're watching a scene, you see what's happening in that scene. But then just by observing, you see multiple depths in the scene, right? Because you see the emotion that's on a particular person's face, right? In that same scene, you may see uh, somebody else and how they're living their lives and what they say and what they do. And then you could even see things happen happening in the background, right? That add to the scene, that add to the depth. And then you may see just the scenery that is behind them. And the movie's not even about the scenery, right? But then you see the scenery and you're like, wow, that's pretty incredible. And you see all of these pieces and all of these elements. And as we transition into these prophecies, we see this imagery, we see these pictures. And it's almost like you and I, when we're peering into a scene, We see all of these different depths, right? And the camera angle is moving and showing us different pieces. And as we get closer to a particular scene, it reveals new details, right? And as we move pan back from it, we can see things at a greater distance, at a bigger panoramic view. And so when we read it, and sometimes we'll read it just as a a story, it can get kind of confusing. But then as we lean in and we're realizing, okay, this is a picture of things that are happening now. But also there's things that are going to happen. There's some depth to it as well. And we can see the difference between the two and as we unpack those. And the the amazing thing is, is did you know that 25% of the Bible is prophecy? It's predicting what is to come. And today we see a little bit of that begin to happen here in Daniel chapter 7. And the the funny thing is the first half of the book of Daniel is written in Hebrew because it's appealing to God's people, right? It begins to uh, write to a particular people group and then it switches to Aramaic as it gets to, uh, as you see the book shift a little bit because it's writing not only to God's people, but for everybody else to hear too in that particular day, in that particular time. And so we see the language even shift here in Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, just to get us up here, we see that this dream, this vision begins to happen right here in this moment in time where Daniel, we, we see in Daniel chapter 6, he's an old man. But we see in when Daniel chapter 7 comes and he gets this dream, it's back to where he was almost in Daniel chapter 2. And so the whole book that we've been reading, uh, the king, right? A pagan king would get a dream and then Daniel would have to interpret it, right? Now, Daniel is the one who is getting the dream and he can't interpret it. He's trying. He's actually, the Bible describes him. He's troubled by it when he sees this and it rocks him almost to the core where he's up at night. I don't know if you've ever had a dream before. You're just dead asleep and all of a sudden you wake up, (gasps) your heart's pounding, you're sweating. You thought it was so real, right? And uh, you just kind of nudge your spell. You're like, hey, wake up. What do you like? Are we still alive? Is everything okay, right? Or maybe you're laying next to someone who wakes up suddenly and you're like, what's going on? What's happening, right? Because they had that dream and it seemed so real. And that's what Daniel is having. He's had this dream, he's had this vision, 
and it has shaken his mind. And he's asking, and he needs help to interpret it. And so we pick up here in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. And this is where we begin to read here of what this vision looks like. And it's verse 2, it says this. In my vision that night, I, Daniel, saw a great storm churning the surface of the great sea with strong winds blowing from every direction. Then four huge beasts came up from the water, each different from the others. The first beast was like a lion with eagle's wings. As I watched its wings pulled off, it was standing on its two hind feet on the ground like a human being. It was given a human mind. Then I saw the second beast. It looked like a bear. It was roaring up on one side, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And I heard a voice saying to it, get up, devour the flesh of many people. Then the third of these strange beasts appeared and it looked like a leopard. The four wings on its back had four heads and great authority was given to this beast. Then in my vision that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It's, it was different from any other beast and it ever and it had ten horns. And I was looking at the horns. Suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots and made room for it. The little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth was boasting arrogantly. We see this picture here, right? And it, this imagery that begins to happen. These four beasts, this uh, turmoil, this storm is happening, raging on the seas. And one of the things I want to say as we dive into this, we're going to look at uh, what this means specifically right what this means historically but you and I uh, when we see the grand picture of this I would encourage us not to get bogged down in all the intricate details but to understand what the overlying and woven theme is between these but I think it's important to understand what is happening here historically we see the first one here is the lion right and we see that this represents Babylon this is where Daniel's at and it has the wings right and the wings are ripped off and we see because Nebuchadnezzar was was humbled and it's standing up like a human. And then it says it received a human mind. You remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He, he wouldn't repent and wouldn't turn to God. And he was uh, taken off from his kingship. And he actually, his mind went what? Went crazy, right? He was out like a beast. And then, it, uh, then we have another vision, which is the bear. And if you remember in Daniel chapter 5, that the Medo-Persian Empire came and conquered. It was two people, right? It said there was a bear and it came and it was heavier on one side. And you have the Medes and the Persians and the Persians were stronger than the Medes. And so they were heavier on one side when they came and conquered that empire. You guys still with me? All right. So the leopard here, we see the leopard comes and this is where it gets fascinating because the leopard has four wings and four heads, right? And so we see this imagery of this wild beast, this leopard. And because the leopard has four wings, it is able to move quickly, right? And this represents Greece. If you remember Alexander the Great, how he swept through nations quickly at the age of 30. He had already conquered a lot of the land because he moved through so quickly. And here is how specific the Bible is. Here's how good God is here in this prophecy. We see that when Alexander the Great, uh, he went. When he died, four generals took over after him. 
And after that, they were that that uh, Alexander the Great in Greece. They were never the same. They were never as strong. And so you see the four heads that were represented there. Then it says there was a fourth beast, right? And it was the iron beast. And we see this is Rome as Rome commends because the Rome rep are uh, the horns represent power and how Rome was a mighty empire that came with a crushing uh, empire that were they were the people of war. They would come and they would fight and they would take over all. All of these kingdoms and we see this happen and the, the amazing thing is is this parallels with the same vision that Nebuchadnezzar had right if you remember the the different pieces of the gold statue that he saw and if you remember these were the same pieces that you saw there in Daniel chapter 2 when he saw the the hat, uh, the vision of the statue and the iron that represent Rome and how these correlate together but then here we get to verse 8 and in verse 8 we get a new detail about what is happening here. And this is what it says in verse 8. It says, And I was looking at the horns. Suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. We see that this particular horn represents what the Bible describes as the Antichrist that comes, who is the, the new beast, who has is like human eyes, right? And he was boasting arrogantly. We're going to dive into that here in just a few minutes. But if we jump over to Daniel chapter 8, we see that Daniel has another vision of two different animals, but with the same respects here in Daniel uh, chapter 8, verse 5. It says this, while I was watching... Suddenly a male goat appeared from the west, crossing the land so swiftly that it didn't even touch the ground. This goat, which had one very large horn beneath its eyes. We see the goat. Remember Alexander the Great swiftly moved across the land. It represents Alexander the Great in Greece there that we see. And then in verse 8, Daniel 8, it says the goat became very powerful. But at the height of its power, its large horn was broken off. In the large horn's place grew four prominent horns pointing in the four directions of the earth. Then from one of the prominent horns, one small horn, whose power was very great, it extended towards the south and the east and towards the glorious land of Israel. We see that the two horn represents the, the two Medes and the Persians as they came in and took over Babylon and became these two great powers. But then you see the one horn rise up again, right? And it boasts arrogantly that we see here. And I just want to take a quick moment and to pause because we can get mixed in. There's a lot of details here, right? A lot of history that is happening. A lot of things are coming to pass and it could be easily, we could brush over that. But I think the important thing for us to remember is that when God speaks, his promises and his words come to pass, right? We see that he projected, this was 200 years before any of this would begin to happen, right? We see the first two pieces, but then 200 years before all the rest would fall into place. But God predicted it. God said, hey, this is what's going to happen. I want you to be aware. I want you to understand what is happening here. And he paints this picture. But I think it's important for you and I in the midst of all of these details, right? In the midst of the beasts and everything, this imagery that we see that Daniel saw to remember that when God gives us a word, 
His promises are true. And if we read all through the Old Testament, we'll see over and over again where people fail, but then God is faithful, right? And he gives us a vision. He gives us a promise. And that promise continues to come to pass. And so we can rest on those promises that we see here. And then we see at later in Daniel chapter 8, we get a little bit more details because Daniel, he is deeply troubled by it. Rightly so. I mean, could you imagine getting some of these visions? And, and then he is the guy. He's the one that God gives me the interpretation. And I know what this is about. And then here, he's the one that's getting the dream. He's the one that has the questions, right? He's the one that has, well, God, what's going on? What do I need to do? But we see an angel comes. And this is an angel that you and I are getting ready to talk a lot about. This is the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel is an angel who is usually the messenger for God. We see that he comes and, and he speaks uh, dur during our um, holiday season. That he is the one that's pronouncing to Mary and uh, all of the people leading up into the Christmas story. right? And Gabriel here in Daniel chapter 7 comes and he speaks to Daniel. You know what I love about the stories when the angels come? Because you and I, we have a picture of like they're in white. They have these beautiful wings and this halo and they're all sweet and they come lay down beside you, right? But when Daniel gets face to face with Gabriel, you know what the Bible says he does? He hits the ground in terror and in fear because of this holy, this angelic being is standing in front of him. And it is so big and so mighty and reflecting God's glory so much that Daniel is on the ground terrified like, whoo, what have I stepped into, right? Like, what is happening here? And so Daniel is listening to the angel, the, the angel Gabriel. Can't, I just, I like to put myself into the story every now and then. You know, that's not an incredibly healthy thing to do all the time. But I, I just picture myself as Daniel stand getting these visions and having all of these questions. And then Gabriel, an angel coming right there in front of him and begins to explain all of this happening and remember this is when Daniel was in Daniel chapter 2 right he hasn't seen all of this come to pass and I think about the faith that he has to have to go yeah let me write this down because this is going to happen God's people they need to know this is going to happen they need to know this is going to happen and this kingdom is going to take over and then this kingdom is going to fail and then this kingdom is going to take over but God is still true his promises are still going to happen and he writes all of this down in faith. And I think about how incredible that is. And that's a, a story that we see. And so as we jump down to Daniel chapter 8, verse 16, we see this where Gabriel begins to explain a little bit more in detail of what this looks like. In verse 16, it says this, And I heard a human voice calling out from the Uli River, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of his vision. As Gabriel approached the place where I was standing, I became so terrified that I fell with my face to the ground. Son of man, he said to you, you must understand that the events you have seen in your vision relate to the time of the end. And then we're going to jump down to verse 23. It says, at the end of their rule, when their sin is at its height, a fierce king, a master of intrigue, will rise to power. He will become very strong, not by his own power. He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed in everything he does. He will destroy powerful leaders and devastate the holy people. He will be a master of deception and he will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle. But he will be broken, though not 
by human power. And so he's describing this picture of this last beast, which is mighty, which is fierce, which is gruesome. It terrifies Daniel. It troubles him so much. And uh, we have a picture here. And the first thing I want to give us, uh, for all my type, type A people in the house, I want to give us three things, okay? Three things that we can pull from these prophecies. We're going to talk just a, a minute about the Antichrist and what that looks like. And then we're going to close with the glory of God. Amen? Everybody feel good about that? And so the first thing that I want us to get here is the prophecies about the Antichrist are already not yet fulfilled. The, the prophecies about the Antichrist are already and not yet fulfilled. And here's what I mean by it. If you've ever been on a road trip before, anybody seen the Rocky Mountains in person before? Um, I have not. I hope to one day. Uh, they're beautiful I hear. You can go some, do some amazing skiing on there. But as you pull up to the Rockies and you see pictures of them, and again, when you watch a movie or a scene, uh, you can look at two objects, right? And they're in front of each other. So if you look at two mountain peaks and you see them from a distance, they look very close together. And in fact, they probably look like the same mountain, right? But as you get closer, as you zoom in, you begin to realize there's distance between those two mountains. You see the two mountain peaks. And as we see this prophecy about this last uh, raging animal that comes, we see that it in fact it is an already fulfilled but yet not yet fulfillment of this prophecy. And there is this king. I'm going to read it because I'm going to mess it up and you're going to see why. Antiochus Epiphanes who came in and he was this dreadful ruler who came in and targeted God's people. It was said that on one day he killed 80,000 Jewish people in one day. Came in like a tyrant, just crushing people uh, through this particular time. And so many believe that this was talking about in that moment, right, of this ruler was going to come in this crushing blow. But also we see that obviously he's talking about the end of times. He literally says this is about the end, right? And so we see this picture that, that has been fulfilled, but yet not yet begins to happen. And we see this theme, and I'm sure all of you have heard it, right? Maybe you've seen YouTube videos or people posting, oh, this person's the Antichrist, this is the Antichrist, right? And all of these questions begin to float around of the Antichrist. And so we may ask the question, who is the Antichrist? What does this look like? And how does this pertain to me? And what does this look like? And, and we all doomed, right? And because a lot of times floating around that is doom. And gloom, right? And so as we get the picture here, the Antichrist is, will be a particular person that rises up that is empowered by Satan himself at the end, who will rise up in a particular age, right? We see this, but then we read in Scripture that there is what is called the Spirit of the Antichrist. It is those who are against God, those who rise up to power to squash God's people and to try to halt what God's doing on this earth, to derail people, whether it be confusion or pain or chaos or division or whatever that may be. Uh, we label that the spirit of the Antichrist. And so the second thing I'd love for us to get here in every age, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work. And so we see that there are elements of what we would call the Antichrist, Satan at work all over the earth in every age. And I want to read you this in 1 John 2, 18, and then in 1 John 4, 3 and 4, it says, children, it is the last hour. 
you have and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. And then in First John chapter four, uh, verse three and four, he says this: and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now who is in the world already? Get this. Uh, verse 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. And he gives us this picture. And I don't want to get there yet. Y'all are going to get me excited. And I want to preach this. But I just want to sit here in a minute because we see that in every age there is the spirit of the Antichrist. So in every age, in the spirit of the Antichrist, what is he trying to do? Right. What is he trying to do? And so I want to give us quick things, three uh, principles that the Antichrist is trying to do. One. He looks to devour much flesh. And we see this uh, all throughout history. There are people that continue to rise up and to eliminate God's people. We see Anti Antiochus Epiphanes. Can you see that? Okay. Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes who comes and, he, and he's looking to devour much flesh. We see guys like Hitler and Stalin who have raised up in history who come to look to devour much flesh. Just this heartache and evil and trials that come up and rise up in our world. And then we continue to see, and this happens all around the world, not just America, but we see it happen, play out. We've seen it in Rwanda and, and Africa and all of these different pieces. We see in uh, China and Asia and Korea, all of these different pieces all throughout. And then also we see that he will try to cause deceit. You know that Satan, that word Satan actually means to divide, like he's coming to divide. He wants to, do, to cause deceit and doubt and fear. We see in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25, it says he will defy the Most High and oppress the holy people of the Most High. He will try to change their sacred festivals and laws and they will be placed under his control for a time, times and half a time. And we see how when the Antichrist comes, he, he wants to cause deceit. He wants to try to change the laws and go, this is, what, this is which way you should go. This is what you should try to do. But as we read in 1 John chapter 4, we know that those who call on the name of the Lord, those who say Jesus Christ is Lord, those are the ones who are following Christ himself. And then the third one is, and this is, I believe, I don't have to convince you of this one. He will try to exalt man. They got a little creep going on right here. You guys still with me? All right. Um, he will. Let's, let's do this. Come on. I got ADD a little bit, so we're going to move over here. Um, he will. The last one here, I don't believe I have to convince you of. He tries to exalt man. He will exalt man, right? He will whisper in human beings' ear going, hey, you need to rise to power. You are strong. You are self-aware enough to have all the revelation in the world. You can do it. The strength is on you here, right? Because he knows human beings. And he whispers that ego into our minds. And you don't need God. You have enough power. You have enough strength. You have enough knowledge. You have enough wisdom. You can do it. On your own, right? And he's whispering, and that the, the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to pull people away from God's plan, pull people away from God's design. But we see that for God's people, he who that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That's why the Holy Spirit, as we may hear those whispers, the Holy Spirit convicts us of righteousness, convicts us of sin, and goes, no, 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 that's not for you. What God has is for you. I will lead you. I will direct you. I will give you wisdom if you surrender and follow me in this. And then here, as we get ready to kind of uh, shift here in Daniel chapter 7, we saw those two visions, right? 
that mean the same thing in history, the uh, things that have already been fulfilled. But then in Daniel chapter 7, we see a new vision. Ooh, and this is where the vision gets good. And I'm going to try not to get emotional because this thing is, is so big. This thing is so powerful. I believe it just kind of rips open the box of who we think God is. Because this was written some 2,000 years ago. And it's projecting to the end of time. And we see just how big God is in the role that we get to play. You guys already get me preaching. I'm not even there yet. Here we go. And, and the, the third thing that I want us to see. In that, and even in the age of the Antichrist, the ancient of days still rules. And you may see that name. And that particular name may not ring a bell to you right now. But this is a name given to God that is only described in the book of Daniel. The ancient of days. And some translation says the, the ancient one when it refers to God. And I love that. And I want to read this here in Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. It says, I watched as thrones were put into place and the ancient one sat down to judge. His clothes was white as snow and his hair like purest wool. He sat on a fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire. Can you imagine wheels of blazing fire? And a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from his presence. Millions of angels ministered to him and many millions stood to attend him. Then the court began its session and the books were opened. I want to continue to read here. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. I kept watching until the fourth beast was killed and its body was destroyed by fire. The other three beasts had their authority taken from them, but they were allowed to live a little while longer. And my vision continued that night. I saw someone like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One and was led into His presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all nations of the world so that the people in every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Amen? What a beautiful, powerful depiction of who God is. And I just, I picture this and I see in all of this chaos and all of this devouring and, and hurt and evil, we see that one steps in as the ancient one. And I love that. The ancient of days. He is eternal, right? And as parents, or maybe you've uh, helped out with little kids before, and they try to get something past you, you try to sneak something on my kids in the house, you know, when you try to sneak something past your parents and they lean over and they go you know what I wasn't born yesterday right you used that phrase before hey I, I was that age once I wasn't born yesterday you can't get that past me I love that because God steps in in this scene and he leans into the back seat into our world and goes you know what I wasn't born at all I know what's going to happen you're not going to get anything past me these rulers and kingdoms are going to come and they're going to go you're going to think they have full authority but yet I have full authority you think they're going to come and reign and it may be hard and painful and scary and fearful in the moment but the ancient one of days is still sits on his fiery throne right and he comes and he says I will have the last word I will have the final judgment that we see and you and I we can rest in the fact of who God is 
And we see that even in those the darkest days, and when the kingdoms were coming, they were devouring all of God's people. God was still at work. His purposes still prevailed. When uh, we see when Greece came in, they uh, established this one language, right? They established this one Greek common language when they came in. And because of that, the gospel was able to be translated into that one language and spread out to all of these people, right? God used that. Rome came in and they established all of these roads and connected all of these cities. And God used every single road for the gospel to get out. We even read in Acts chapter Chapter 8, when persecution came and uh, Stephen became a martyr and the uh, Christians just fled and they scattered everywhere. Just this hard persecution. And guess what happened? Everywhere they went, that's where the gospel went. Everywhere they went, people were being healed. People were being saved. People were being redeemed. And the kingdom of God continued to grow right in the middle of the darkness, right in the middle of the evil. And we see that you and I, if you don't get anything else out today, all the history, maybe you like the history like me and you dive into all of those details and of what that looks like. But I want us to, to grab these two pieces of application. And I want to close with one kind of, one, with one kind of big moment. But here, when seeing this in history will not keep me from pain. Seeing all of this in history will not keep us from pain. Jason spoke last week and he talked about our own lion's den, right? And how we're not going to escape from the pain on this earth. But it says we're not escaping from pain, but it will keep me from panic. It will not escape us from pain, but it will keep us from panic. And I think about the holiday season and it could be, uh, you know, we're coming up on the next two years and it seems like every year uh, the political uh, things begin to come more and more turmoil, right? In our kingdom, in our nation. But you and I, as Christians of Christ, we can step back and go, you know what? I'm standing on solid ground. I've already, I know what's going to happen at the end. I know who is going to continue to reign. I know who has full authority and I know who will come because we see how it has come to pass over and over and over again. And you and I, we have a moment to step in in history. We have a moment to step in in our generation and declare and appoint people to the second coming of Christ. We get to point to them and go, he is coming back. He will come for his people and he will reign forever. And there will be a moment where he will cast the beast, the Antichrist, the devil himself, into the lake of fire. And he will reign. And we get to have an opportunity to declare that goodness, to declare that prophecy, to declare what God has done in our lives to our world today. You talk about a mission. That we each have. One, when I read stuff like this, I get humbled, right? To go, wow, you were doing this 2,000 years ago, and now you're using us today in our day and in our time, God. May we be a part of this grand, eternal plan of God that we get to step into. And I think about this, I guess, more of a light application as well. As we head into the holiday season, And we're sitting together with family and friends and people who are around us. And as we're hanging out and there may be all of these other things going on in our lives, right? All of these things that are trying to occupy our mind. But you and I have the opportunity not to panic, right? Because we know who holds our tomorrow. We have the opportunity to be fully 
present in the moment. Because look, we read the end. We know what's going to happen, right? God has our back so we can be fully present and thankful that we get to have this moment with the people who are around us. Fully thankful, right? Because we know what God is going to do there at the end. And I want to give you this here, uh, this kind of this three-piece saying, and then we're going to close, and Jacob and these guys are going to come back, and they're going to sing uh, one of my favorite worship songs, Plug There. Um, and here we go. It says, you and I, I believe that God wants us to be aware, right? He wants us to know these things, to be aware of what is happening in the world around us, be aware of what has happened in the Old Testament, be aware of what is going to happen, but don't panic because God wins, right? Be aware. We know what has happened, but don't panic because we know that in the end, God is going to win. We as Christians stand on the firm foundation of Christ. And when things begin to crumble around us, you and I have the freedom and the hope not to panic. They go, I know it looks scary right now to comfort our neighbors, to be there next to them and go, you know what? Look, our peace was never meant to be in that situation, in that moment, in that person, right? Let me tell you about my Jesus. And there will be a day when he comes and he will make all of this right. And he will redeem every of those moments that we surrender to him. And when we trust him, he will work all things out for the glory of those who love him, right? But we cling to those where we don't have to panic, but understand what that means. And so the last piece is, is you, you heard me say all of this about uh, God's people and that when we are God's people, we get to live into this. And we get to do this and we get to trust in this. And maybe you're in here and listen to me online and you've never given your life to Christ before. And you're saying, wow, being a part of God's family, that's something different. That's something the world can't provide. And I'm telling you, that is something the world can't provide. And I'd love to pray with you today because Jesus came. We see that Jesus came to help fulfill all of this that would happen, that all authority was given to him. And he left heaven and came to earth. And he says, those who ever believe in me can have eternal life, that we get to be a part of God's family, that he will forgive us of our sins. He will forgive us of our past and he will give us hope for the future. And you and I can rest in that fact of knowing who Christ is. So I want to pray with us. I want to say a prayer that if you've never given your life to Christ before, maybe you're reading some of these prophecies and you're going, wow, I don't need to be, I don't want to be on the wrong side. I want to be on the ancient one side, right? I want to be the ancient of days. I know who Christ is. I believe that God is the eternal God. And I want to surrender my life to him. I want to give you that opportunity. Then I want to pray for us as a church. That we get to stand in this. Remember, remember at the beginning I told you that he wrote this to uh, give us a theme of God's sovereignty. That God is still in control. But then also to encourage the believers who were in Babylon. And I believe that Daniel, he's trying to encourage even us today of going, hey, don't panic. You know that God is on the throne. Rest in him. Stay close to him. Connect with him every day. Allow him to give you peace, right? And when the world is shaking around us, we have that opportunity to do that. So let me pray with us together. Uh, if you've never given your life to Christ before, you could pray a prayer like this, something like this. And I'd love to guide you through that here. You say a prayer, say, Dear Heavenly Father, God, I know that I'm disconnected from you. I pray, God, that you would forgive me of my sins. God, I pray that you would save me. I pray that you would change me, God. God, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again and conquered sin and death. 
And if you prayed that prayer here today, I'd love for you to fill out a connect card because I'd love to pray with you and help you connect into community of God's family. And I want to pray for our church. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your truth. God, I just pray here in this moment that as a church, we can just pause. And we can remember that you are the ancient one, God. God, I pray that this holiday season, maybe this Thanksgiving week where we just step back and have thankfulness. That we are children of God. And your word says that you hold us in your hand and no one can snatch us out. God, I pray that we can just take a moment to take a deep breath and to take a load off of life, God. Because you are the one that holds the world up, not us. And God, I pray that you remind us of your glory, that today as we sing, as we proclaim, as we pray every day to you, this is who we're praying to, that you sit on a throne, God, and that our lives are in your hands, God. And I pray that that gives an insurmountable amount of peace to every soul that can hear my voice. God, I pray that you help us to be aware of what is happening around us. But God, give us strength not to panic. And God, remind us that you win. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day. Thank you for each and every person that I call family. I pray that you continue to speak to our hearts. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand and worship together. Thank you for tuning in to the Bridge Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can simply visit our website at thebridgebluffton.com. Have a blessed day.